to um, bring up our notes, please. So we're um, going to be talking uh, this one about serving one another. Um, so serving, serving one another is one of those topics that is going to be uh, one I think you'll find very, very useful and relevant. I'm sure there'll be plenty of examples that we could talk about, uh, about ways to serve one another. Um, so, you know, for example, if someone had some papers maybe in the hallway at school or some books and they just happened to slip out of their hands, um, what would you do? Oh, this is part of this. <laughs> <laughs> the second time I thought she was just really unlucky. <laughs> would, would you let that student just uh, let their books kind of go around the hallway and sort of kick them around to help them out or... Would you jump on there and really, oh, thank you, thank you. <laughs> oh, that was perfect. Great job, Maddie. Give Maddie a hand. Thank you. You're good. And those really weren't the notes, so you can just keep those. That's your, that's your prize for helping tonight. So it's easy to look the other way, isn't it, when, when there's an opportunity to serve. Um, I remember just growing up, I was about your age, and one of the chores that we had every week was to sweep, sweep like the stairs and the breezeway of our house and, you know, have lots of rugs. And so what did we do, or what did I do when I swept it? Did I carry the rugs outside and shake them out? No, of course not. Uh, I would just lift them up and sweep the dirt right under it and then put it back down. Well, what do you think that did for the next person coming along? Oh, they lift it up and there's a bunch of dirt under there, right? So that wasn't a good way to serve other people. So it's, it's just interesting all the ways we miss um, serving other people right there. So I think we're not as good as we think we are. How many of you actually would say that you're pretty good at serving? Raise your hand. Who, who, who here thinks that you're a good servant? Uh-oh. <laughs> well, at least you're honest. That's good. <laughs> okay. At least we have somewhere to go with this. That's, that's good. So we're probably not as good as we think. Um, like, think about all the times maybe we see dirty dishes in the sink or the dishwasher. Anybody see that in your house? Do you, any of us uh, push the starts or perhaps um, wash them up? Or do we let our mom do it? Push the start button. Okay. Good. That's the easy part. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's good. Or maybe if you have uh, younger siblings and they have all those toys on the floor, um, you know that they need cleaned up. Anybody kind of walk around it instead of cleaning it up? Mm -hmm. Or um, maybe their shoes. Uh, your, your siblings have shoes all around the house and you know, you, they're, they're always looking for their shoes, right? And you could help by uh, putting them together so they could find them. Or you could just, you know, hey, those, they're smelly shoes. I don't want to touch those things. Right, so we, a lot of times we don't do that. How many of you volunteer to help your mom or dad vacuum or make dinner? Okay, so I'm sure there's a point where your mom 
would like some help to make dinner and you're there, um, but how easy it is to just maybe play on our phone or uh, you know, avoid that to not help. So we're usually not as good at serving as we think we are. And so a lack of serving can really hurt relationships. Uh, for example, how many of you, um, or maybe how do you think your mom feels when she has to beg, your mom or dad, when they have to beg and plead to get help with anything? Do you, do you think that they like that? I don't think they do. <laughs> Probably not. They'd rather that you initiated that, right? Or do, do any of you have a friend who never seems to help you with anything? Like they never seem to do anything for you, but they always want you to do things for them. Anybody have that? Okay. Sometimes, there, sometimes there's situations like that. And it can be hard to have that kind of a friendship because after a while, you're kind of like, well, I wish they would help me out with something. You know, why am I always having to do things for them? I wish they would do something for me. So a lack of serving can really hurt relationships. So as we look at this, uh, what we call one another, that's um, one of those uh, commands in the Bible that talk about our relationship to other people. So over the course of the summer, you're going to hear about some more of these one another's. But really, there's a crisis of caring in the church today. Uh, People feel like no one cares for them, no one's concerned for them. We get so busy, just absorbed in our own responsibilities, that we, we just pass each other by and don't really take the time to notice and care for one another. So how many of you know anything about a hospital? Anybody know anything about a hospital? Okay, a few of you do. Uh-huh. So tell me a little bit about, if you walk into a hospital, what do you see? What are some of the people in there and the different, different moving parts in a hospital? Uh-huh. A nurse? Okay, good. So we have nurses. What else do we have in a hospital? Yeah. Patients. Patients, yep. What else? Yeah. Doctors. Doctors, okay. What else? Uh huh. Needles. Needles? Okay, yep. <laughs> so, so think about different people, okay? Different, maybe people doing things in a hospital. What else do we have? Yeah. Families, yep. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Good. So from the moment you come in, you know somebody's there to maybe take your temperature or to greet you, and then you go check in, and then they take your insurance information, and you have to sit and wait, and somebody comes and gets you. Uh, you know, and think like you might go, um, you might have surgery, but then you have people that are cleaning the rooms, you have people that are washing the instruments. You have people that are preparing food. You have people that are making sure the heating and air conditioning units are working right. You have all these different parts, right? So not everybody's doing the surgery, but everyone has a different role to play. So just imagine, you know, if you went into the hospital to have a heart surgery and you had the best heart surgeon there was, but they didn't sterilize the needle or the, the instruments very good. Or maybe you got in the bed and it was like blood in the bed because they didn't change the bed sheets. And then you got sick, right? You wouldn't want that. So you could have, you can have um, even good, you know, good doctors and good nurses doing things, but it takes a whole hospital to care for people. And really the church is like that. So not everybody is doing maybe the heart surgery. Maybe not everybody's meeting intensely with, with people. But everyone has a role to play, whether that's greeting people with a smile, whether that's serving coffee, whether that's filling water in the baptismal tank, 
or um, making sure there's pens and pencils there. So without those different parts that go on, you'd have uh, a lot of problems. So that's what we're gonna, gonna see tonight. So we talk about um, these, we're talking about tonight what we call the biblical one another's. So again, they're commands that describe how we relate to and care for each other. There's actually quite a few of these one another passages in the Bible. Can anybody take a guess and uh, tell me, I should have brought some prize things. Um, can anybody take a guess and see, how, like guess at how many there are one another passages? How about we do, that's kind of boys and girls, isn't it? Okay, we'll do bragging rights. Um, so we'll go girls first. What's your guess? How many one another's are there? What's your guess? Okay, so they have 100. All right, guys, what's your guess? Actually, 50, uh, 59. So you, you went closer without going over. So sorry, girls. Maybe next time. But but quite a, there's quite a few in there, right? So you, you see the point. Um, God gives us a lot of these one another passages. So they're they're not a light deal. It's not like there's only one or two in the Bible. Um, the Lord makes a pretty big deal about these. Now. Um, you, again, you're going to hear about some of these this summer, uh, but there's some one another's that aren't in the Bible that we don't want to put in the Bible. So, for example, nowhere will you find embarrass one another. Nowhere will you find interrupt one another. Nowhere will you find exclude one another or steal from one another or gossip about one another or make fun of one another. So the one another's that, you're, that you'll find in the Bible are the ones that reflect God's love and care for us. So the one we're looking at uh, today is serving one another. And we see that mentioned in a few places. So John 13, 14. And by the way, we're going to spend, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Galatians 5, 13. That'll be our, uh, we're, we're going to be looking at two passages tonight. Galatians 5, 13, and then we'll go to John 13. So John 13, 14. Um, says you ought to wash one another's feet. So there's a one another. Uh, Galatians 5.13 says, For you were called to freedom. Well, I'll let you turn there. I'll let you go there. So Galatians 5.13. Everybody find that, please. And that one says, For you were called to freedom, brethren. Only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. And then the other one, uh, serving one another, is found in 1 Peter 4.10. As each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Okay, so let's go to uh, Galatians 5.13 first. 
And there we have the one another of serving one another. So Paul is wanting these Galatian Christians to have true freedom. He doesn't want them to go back to the law. So Jesus gives us true freedom. But the question is, freedom to do what? So that's, that's a good question for everyone here. What is true freedom? What do you think true freedom is? I know we're coming up on a July 4th here pretty soon. We'll be talking a lot about freedom then. But what do you think true freedom is? Yeah. Uh, to be able to make the choices that you want. Okay. Any other thoughts? Okay. So, uh, freedom is not freedom to do whatever our flesh wants. And by flesh, the Bible refers to those earthly desires that are against, against the Lord. So, so that's actually not true freedom. So, from the standpoint of the world, what they would say is, freedom is letting you do whatever your body wants to do. So, if I want uh, your shoes, then I should have the freedom to take your shoes, right? It, uh, you shouldn't be able to tell me to not do anything. I should have the freedom to do whatever I want. But the Bible says that's actually not true freedom. That's a form of slavery. So, so freedom um, here in Galatians is freedom to live as God originally made us to be. That is, to love and serve each other. So that's a pretty different definition than what you might think freedom is. It's the freedom to love and serve each other. And this freedom can't be used to serve the wrong person. So Paul is describing two, two different kinds of people in Galatians 5. He's talking about uh, or two different communities, if you, if you will. One community doesn't have God's spirit. They serve the flesh. They're not of God's kingdom. The other community has the spirit. They're the children of God's promise. And they, they've been reborn by God's spirit and have the spirit within them. And they have a good future. So Paul doesn't want the Galatians to leave the new community that they've been brought into by Jesus and go back to this community that's actually in slavery. That's not what he wants. Uh, he wants them to experience freedom in this new community, um, good deeds and desires. So the fruit of the old community really stinks. If you read in Galatians 5, a little bit further, you're going to read about the works of the flesh. And those things stink. Those are all selfishness about us. But Paul wants them to experience um, the good fruit, fruit of the Spirit right there. So Jesus gives us true freedom. But did you know what? Jesus actually calls us to slavery. Have you ever thought about that? In Christ, you're actually freed. So you're freed from the uh, demands of the law, like, like this bondage to trying to earn your salvation through works. You're freed from that. Uh, you're freed from the slavery of sin, but you're actually brought into another kind of slavery. And that's the, a kind of slavery that's a slavery to love and serve each other. So did you know that true freedom is actually a form of slavery? But we don't really think about it like that, right? Because, again, most, most of our minds, we think freedom has nothing to do with slavery. I should just have the ability to do whatever I want. But in God's economy, that's not the way it works. 
When you have true freedom, you're actually in another kind of slavery. So Martin Luther, do you know who Martin Luther was? He posted those 95 pieces on the door. Remember that? We often, uh, you might celebrate, not celebrate, but like do Halloween, but it's really Reformation Day, right? Um, so it's just a reminder of what he did there. He says this, a Christian is perfectly free, Lord of all, subject to none. A Christian is a perfectly dutiful servant, subject to all. So did you see both of those in there? He talks about a Christian being perfectly free, but then he talks about a Christian also at the same time being a servant to all. And so a lot of us are like, well, what one is it? How can you be both? How can you be free and a servant at the same time? Well, that's what we're going to see here in Galatians right here. Uh, does anybody think that that sounds very freeing to live as a servant to others? Anybody like that idea? Nobody? Okay, few. you. How many of you would rather just do whatever you wanted? Okay, we can be honest. <laughs> so imagine um, for a minute that you're in a football game and you're the wide receiver, all right? And so a quarterback throws you a pass, you catch it one-handed, you're sprinting for the touchdown, and you've got around, uh, you've got around the last defender, all right? And so touchdown is like just five, ten yards away, and it's the game-winning touchdown and your team wins state. And you could be the hero. You crossed that finish line. You scored the game-winning touchdown. But your teammate is right behind you. He's right there. So you could go across the touchdown to the goal line, the end zone, and be the hero. Or you could uh, toss it, hand off to your teammate, and let him score. So how many pick, I'm going to go across the end zone and win the game and be the hero in the paper? Who picks that? <laughs> and who picks, I'm going to give it to my teammate and let them get their name in the paper. <laughs> I know, none of us probably would, right? <laughs> it's a very hard thing. And so um, it doesn't seem very natural in this world to serve other people and get the glory off ourselves. Uh, it, do, it just doesn't make sense to us, uh, at least to the natural person right there. But what marks a Christian is this willingness to uh, sacrifice our ego and honor, our status and our fame. So out of love for God and each other, we take the mentality of a slave instead of a king. So here in Galatians, Paul doesn't use the word for serve that he uses in a number of other places uh, that would carry the idea of serve willingly. He actually uses the word that means slave. So that would bring up a good question. Um, how can we have this attitude that Paul wants us to have uh, to serve as a slave? How do you think we could have that kind of an attitude? Because I'm sure for most of you, this idea of slave doesn't bring up very good, like a good imagery, right? It's not something we think positively of. But yet Paul is telling us to serve as a slave here. So how can we do that willingly? Well, the answer there, if you look at uh, verse 13 and 14, is found in love. So he says, the whole of uh, verse 14, well, actually, at the end of verse 13, he says, but through love, serve one another. So the verse 14 then helps explain why Christians can serve others as slaves. Um, to love others through serving them fulfills the law. 
So if somebody said to you uh, that they loved you but never did anything for you, at what point would you question how much they loved you? Like how much time would have to go past? If they kept saying, you know, I love you, I love you, but they never did a single thing for you. Would there come a point where you would say, huh, I wonder if they really love me or if they're just saying that? I'm sure somewhere down the line, all of us probably would, right? Maybe it's a year or maybe it's a day or whatever, you know, but there, there comes a point in which if we never saw any kind of action toward us, we would question their love for us. And the same thing is, uh, is, is true for us as well when it comes to the Lord. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But before we get there, um, just another question. What are some ways that you are serving other people right now that you really enjoy? Are there, like in other words, are there things that you do around the house or for your friends or for a teacher uh, that you serve them that you really like doing? Anybody have examples of that? What, what do you think? Uh, the church nursery. Okay, good. That's really encouraging. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What, are some, what are some other ways that, that you like to serve other people that you actually enjoy? That's a good one. Surprise parties. Uh-huh. So if we look um, again carefully at verse 14, notice there that Paul says loving service fulfills the message of the Old Testament laws. So, so Paul is not saying here that uh, Christians do the law, but he says that they fulfill the law. So doing the law is impossible. We can't do the law, right? That's why Jesus came, because we can't do it on our own. But we can fulfill the law because of God's spirit working in us. So ultimately, it's Jesus who perfectly fulfills the law. And when you think about Jesus, what words come to your mind that describe Jesus? Tell me a little about Jesus. How would you describe him? Blameless. Blameless, yeah. Love. Love, yeah. So at some point, um, we would throw the word, I'm sure, you know, if I give you enough time, you you put the word servant in there, right? Because when we think about Jesus, we think about that is a true servant right there. So we want to look now at the way that Jesus serves. So the way that Jesus serves is a lot different from the way that maybe we serve or even the disciples serve. Just think about the, the difference between the way Jesus serves and the way the disciples serve. So instead of feeding hungry people who had been listening all day, the disciples preferred to send them away. It's not our problem. Send them away. When parents tried to bring their little children to Jesus, what did the disciples do? Send them away. Send them away. Shoot, we don't, we don't want to change your diapers. Go away here. Uh, when they, they asked to sit at the place of honor on the right and the left hands of Jesus instead of deferring the, other, the honor to other people. 
So the, um, so the way the disciples served was often a lot different than the way Jesus served. But how about us? So how about you? How, how would you say that the way you serve is maybe like the way Jesus serves or different from the way Jesus serves? So think about the way you serve. In what ways is it like the way Jesus serves? And then in what ways is it different? Anybody brave enough to share? Yeah, good. So Jesse said, uh, sometimes we expect things in return. Uh-huh. And so that would be different from Jesus, who never expected anything. Yep, good. What else? Maybe think about your attitude. Very good. Yep. So it's good to, um, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. It's your reputation? Yeah. Yeah. Very, very good insight. Uh huh. That's, that's exactly right. So let's take a look at the way Jesus serves and see if we can get a better picture of what it should look like for us to serve. So if you have your Bibles, uh, let's take a look at John 13. Could I get somebody to read uh, verses 1 through, um, 1 through 15? Maybe we split it in half. How about uh, one of the guys? Can you do one through seven? And then the ladies, uh, eight through 15? So, okay, yeah. One through seven, please. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid, outside, he laid aside his outer garments, and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter and said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, What I am doing now, what I am doing, you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. Okay, and one of the ladies. Uh, Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, The one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not everyone. For he knew who was to betray him, that was why he said, Not all of you are clean. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, Do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Thank you. So let's just think for a moment. Um, you're going. Some of you are going to a sin camp here in a few days, right? Okay. So imagine you go to this camp and you're super busy, and then you come back and you're really, really tired, right? You get home and you got all your dirty stuff, and you just want to take a nap. And so you come in the house, and before you know, you can lay down. There, there's some stuff to do, 
right? So maybe your parents have this list of chores that they want. And you're like, all I want to do is take a little break here. Why do I have to do these chores right now? Um, I just want to rest right here. So think about where Jesus is. is. They've been um, walking. Uh, he's tired. He knows that this is the last meal that he's having with his disciples. There's dirty feet all around him, you know, and so you're in close quarters with people's dirty feet. And you're wishing that they would wash their feet or that somebody would wash their feet. And Jesus very could have easily thought, why does it have to be me? Like, really? You know, these guys won't even get up and help out. I've been with them for three and a half years. I've tried to teach them everything I knew. And they still haven't figured out that all they could do to help is pick up a towel, get some water, and wash some feet. Like, is that really that hard? Do I have to do that? Sound familiar? So Jesus easily could have thought, uh, thought like that. But he doesn't. So he takes off his outer garment... He uh, grabs a towel and he starts washing their feet. So Jesus basically is robed like a slave. All right? And so he's doing it without being asked, rewarded, or recognized. So this is what we mean when we're talking about serving one another. We're talking about meeting a genuine problem and then taking care of it without expecting or requiring anything in return. So that's what serving is, meeting a genuine need without being, and taking care of it without being asked uh, and without expecting anything in return. So notice that um, the, Jesus, the disciples are probably very embarrassed by when they see Jesus doing this. They're like, oh no, uh, we should have done that. You know, Peter's probably knocking at James and John like, why didn't you do that? Why didn't you do that? Jesus, you, sh- you shouldn't be doing this. But Jesus doesn't shame them. He doesn't guilt them in any way into serving. He just simply serves them out of love. And so Peter, you see here, he tries to object. Uh, Don't wash my feet, Jesus. But Jesus is using this foot washing not just to get the dirt off Peter's feet, but as a picture of his sacrificial cleansing and work on the cross. Now, you all probably noticed this before, because I know you're, I hear you're super sharp. Whose feet doesn't Jesus wash? Judas. So he, he washes everyone's feet, right? Even Judas's. And it would have been really easy at that point to... Um, not wash Judas's feet, knowing that this was the guy who was going to betray him. Like, I don't know about you, but if I knew that that guy was going to be the one that got me killed, uh, I don't think I'd be washing his feet. I think I'd be taking the water and dumping it on his head. But that's not what Jesus does, right? So there's some principles that we see from this um, example uh, of Jesus. But before we get into a few of those, uh, and then we'll end here, what makes serving challenging or difficult for you? So tonight, I thank you. You were very honest. You, you really said, you know, uh, there's, there's a lot of areas we could grow in our serving. So what do you think makes serving difficult for you? Mm-hmm. It's tiring. Yeah, tiring. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. You have to not think about yourself. You have to think about who you're serving. Yeah, good. Yep. 
Get, get the focus off self, exactly. Mm -hmm. Any ladies, you guys, you ladies have a thought? What makes serving difficult or challenging? We tend to put our own needs before other people's. Yeah, true. Putting our own needs in front of others. Mm -hmm. So here are um, some, some principles that we see from this about serving. Okay, so you've hit up one of these. Serving comes at great personal expense. So number one, serving comes at great personal expense. Uh, serving is going to cost you something. It can cost you money, but what else can serving cost you? Time. Time, yep. Yeah. And, and one other thing especially. Money, time, what else? Yeah, energy. Uh huh. And all of those things could have been used on yourself, but you're using it for the benefit of someone else. So this, again, runs against our natural desire to be selfish and give ourselves the best. So one reason that we struggle with serving is because that serving costs us something, and we don't want to pay the cost. So sec a second uh, principle that we see is self-preservation and self-glorification can't exist at the same time as the desire for God's glory. So you can't have preserving myself and glorifying myself at the very same time that you have living for God's glory. The two can't be together. Alright? You just can't do it. And that's really challenging because one of those is going to have to go. It's either we're going to live for self, to preserve and protect myself and to benefit myself, or it's going to be for God's glory. And that was, that's what makes it challenging. So just think, uh, just think about the world we live in. People are obsessed with their health, right? They'll do anything to try to protect their life. Even if it means like you have to go out of your way and you have to you know, do whatever it is so that I don't, I don't get impacted by it. Right? We're, we're naturally wired um, because of sin to focus on ourselves. But, but those two things can't exist. So serving is really a gift because it helps us to fight our natural fleshly desires. Uh, third, serving Jesus is demonstrated through serving other people. So serving Jesus is demonstrated through serving other people. So... Did you notice here in John 13 that Jesus, uh, what did he tell the disciples to do? They're kind of at the end of where we read. Take a look at verse uh, 14. What's he tell them to do? Wash one another's feet. Okay, wash one another's feet. Now, that's a little bit interesting, all right? Because the disciples wouldn't have had a problem with washing Jesus' feet. If Jesus would have said, can somebody wash my feet? I really think they all would have stepped up and said, yeah, I can. But if he would have asked them to wash each other's feet, they wouldn't have wanted to do that. See, the mentality at this particular time was, you just didn't do that. You don't serve your peers. You serve somebody who's greater than you, 
But if they're equal with you, no, they're on their own. So your feet are dirty, too bad. You, here, here's a rag. You know, you wash them. Well, I'm not going to wash your feet, right? But if it's like the teacher, okay, I'll wash his feet. Um, so Jesus, Jesus really tells them, uh, he challenges them. He says, serve another fellow person. So the way that we serve other people is really a reflection on our love for Jesus. And that's, that can be hard to hear. But the, the greater and the better that we serve, that shows that we're growing in our love for Jesus. So if we say that we love Jesus, but we don't serve anyone, Jesus can rightfully question us. He can say, uh, I think you need to check your love again. Okay, serve someone else, and then we'll come back and have that conversation. Um, okay, we'll just do uh, maybe one more here. Um, two more here. So, because of Christ's love for us, we can serve our enemies, not just our friends. So again, we, we really brought that out, right? We saw that Jesus washed the feet of Judas, and it can be hard. I mean, think about somebody in your life, um, maybe that's really hard to love. Maybe it's someone at school that gives you a hard time. Uh, maybe it's just somebody that's always better than you are at things. Right? They're always a little bit faster in the race. They're always a little bit better on the field, whatever the case is. It can be hard to want to serve them. But because of, um, because of God's work in our life, because of the freedom that he has given us, we actually have the freedom then to serve even people who might be considered our enemies. Let's look at um, one more place here, one more thing, and, and that is... Being a servant is one of the best forms of identification you can have. So if I, were to, if I were to ask you, who are you? How would you describe yourself? You'd probably give a lot of things like, uh, I'm, you know, I'm tall, I'm short, uh, I'm an athlete, I'm a musician, whatever the case is. How many of you would give yourself the label of a servant? I'm a servant. Okay. So I want to show you a, a very interesting passage of Scripture. Um, turn, in your, turn in your Bible or in your phone to 1 Chronicles 27. We're going to look at verses 25 to 31. So Old Testament, uh, I know this is not a place you're expecting because it's going to be a genealogy. 1 Chronicles 27. Everybody there? I'll read it because these are some um, very challenging names, okay? So I don't pretend to get these things right. Uh, here's just a hint for you. Um, if, if you're ever asked to read names and you don't know how to say them, just say them really fast and with confidence, and no one will question you. <laughs> so just go for it, okay? So let's start in verse 25, and just, just uh, listen to what you hear here, right here. So over the king's treasuries was... As Mabib, the son of Adel, and over the treasuries in the country, and in the cities, and in the villages, and in the towers, was Jonathan, the son of Uzziah. And over those who did the work of the field for tilling the soil was Ezri, the son of Shilub. And over the vineyards was Shimei, the Raphite. And over the produce of the vineyards for the wine cellars was Zabdi, the Shiphite. Over the olive and sycamore trees in the Sheflap was Baal Hanan the Jibberite, and over the stores of oil was Joash. Over the herds that pastured in Sharon was Shitri the Sharonite. Over the herds in the valleys was Shadaph the son of 
Adelai. Over the camels was Obel the Ishmaelite. Over the donkeys was Jediah the Memorite. Over the flocks was Jezai the Hagarite. All these were stewards of King David's property. So, other than like being really hard to pronounce and really weird sounding names, what stands out to you as to how these people were remembered? You guys look like you have some answers. As servants. As servants, yep, yep. So take a look at uh, the donkey keeper. T- take, a, take a look at the guy named Jediah. He's remembered for taking care of donkeys. So one day, when you get to heaven, you may run into a guy. And you may ask him, so tell me a little bit about, you know, what did you do on earth? And, and he's going to say, well, I was the donkey keeper. And you're going to be like, wow, the donkey keeper. That's interesting. Because most of us, I mean, would any of you want on your tombstone, he was the keeper of the donkeys. Or he was the best donkey dung cleaner there ever was. Anybody want that on your tombstone? It's because we don't have a very high value of serving. But in God's economy, servant is really, really high. There are no low servants in God's kingdom. Okay, so God doesn't forget about that. None of the people in this passage were uh, great warriors or athletes or actors. They were servants. So let's end by thinking about some ways, even little tiny ways, that you could serve in the context of the church. So I'll give you one example. Somebody has to fill the baptism tub whenever there's a baptism. If not, we're gonna, you know, they'll show up on a Sunday and uh, kind of look in there and think, huh, it's going to be a little bit hard to get baptized, right? In air? That's not the way we do baptism here. We do it in water. So that's just one job that anyone really could do is put water in it. But, you know, you have to put it at the right temperature. So it does take – it's an act of love. It, it does take some effort into it. If you put it at, you know, 200 degrees and burn their flesh off, that's probably not good either, right? You don't want it ice cold so that when they get in there, they're jumping and hitting the ceiling. So uh, don't, don't want that. So what other, what other ways can you think of that you could serve within the church? Just throw out some ideas. Don't even have to raise your hand. Church work days. Church work days, okay. VBS. VBS, good. Uh-huh. One-way kids. Okay. So maybe pulling weeds, or trimming some bushes, or mowing some grass. Does that sound like things that you, you possibly could do? So we're not, we're not trying to talk about things, you know, beyond your expertise or abilities, like getting on the roof and um, replacing shingles. We're not talking about things like that. We're talking about things that you actually could do. How about you ladies? What, what are some ways in which you, you could serve within the context of the church? Okay, yeah. So we've got, there's a meal ministries when somebody's sick or just going through some tough times. Uh-huh. Volunteering 
Joy Club, very good. Yep. Yep. Okay. So I would I would just encourage you this the rest of this week. Um, think about your serving. Think about what that could look like at home to serve the way that Jesus did, and think about what that could look like at church to serve the way that Jesus did. So uh, I'll. Um, I'll just give one, maybe one more example here. Um, you know, here's, here's a couple ways. Like if you're driving, uh, even something as simple as where you park. So you could pick the, the space closest to the door. But remember, when you do that, that means that somebody else can't use that space. they got to park farther out. So you could pick a, a space farther out. Uh, maybe you're um, going through uh, the line for the snacks later on. And you could go first. Or you could serve others by saying, you know what, why don't you go first? Right? So that's the one another of serving. Um, does anyone have any other thoughts or questions related to that? Okay. Well, how about uh, I close this in prayer here? Our dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we are uh, challenged and encouraged when it comes to serving. Um, we don't want to guilt anyone into serving. We know that that's not how you did it, Lord Jesus. Uh, but you motivate us through love. So I pray that all of us, out of love for you and love for others, can be willing servants in your kingdom. I pray that we would not seek our own glory and name, but that we'll be, we would be willing to seek your glory and name. So please give, give us all clarity and insight as to just different ways that we can serve others and to really be able to do it well. So that on our tombstone... Uh, it will be written with our name. He or she was the donkey keeper, but maybe not donkeys, maybe serving others. So thank you, Lord, for this opportunity with these students tonight. Uh, I pray for a blessing upon them. It's in your name we pray. Amen.